0: Now, yeah, let's pray. God, thank you so much, God. Thank you that we can just come together as family, washed in the blood, redeemed of the Lamb, and in spite of all the trouble and all the turmoil, all that goes on, all the sickness and all that's there, we know that you're in control. We know that you love us, God, that we can come together and Lord, we can have a time of peace. I thank you, God, as wicked, as bad as things are in this country. Lord, I thank you that we can still come in here, that we can still worship openly and freely, and we can still gather together in one accord and, and have a place, God, that we call a church, that we can come together and just worship you, God. Thank you, Father, for the freedoms that we do have, God. I ask you to protect those, God. Continue to give us the, the ability to come in, God. We love you, Father. I thank you for this word. I thank you for this book. I ask you that you open it and teach us something, God. Teach us things the way you've intended, that we might learn something tonight, that we might and go out more eager and better prepared to serve you, God. We pray most of all, may you be pleased in all we do. We love you, God. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So here in Acts chapter 10, see we got a few minutes. Um we left off last week beginning chapter 10. Attention kind of turns back to the apostle to Peter. We left off talking about the the, the events that are going to take place. I want to go ahead. And I want to read this story. I know a lot of times here we've been just taking it a verse at a time as we get there, and I've I've kind of not been reading ahead just for the sake of saving time, but I really want to read this at least the first part of this story before we go back and look at it, because it just all fits. Acts chapter 10, verse number one. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people, and prayed all and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming to him and saying unto him, Cornelius, when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? He said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose sure name is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. When the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier, three men, of them that waited on him continually. When he declared all these things unto him, he said, he sent them unto Joppa. And on the morrow, as they were on their journey and drew nigh into the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. He became very hungry and would have eaten, but... While they made ready, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. Wherein were all manner of four footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. The voice spake unto him again the second time. What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. And while Peter doubted himself, what was in a vision, or what he would seen, seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. He called and asked whether Simon, which was sure named Peter, were lodged there. And while Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Thank you. You guys can be seated. What an incredible story of the intervention of the Holy Spirit of God dealing with his people and teaching some stuff. You remember last week, we left off talking about who this is for. I don't think this story is written or given to us at all about Cornelius. I don't think there's really anything here for us to even learn From Cornelius, other than the fact he's a devout man, a prayer, and he did what God told him to do. But I I think everything in this story is about Peter. I I think everything that we can learn here from this, we learn from Peter. The, the The reason I believe that with all my heart is Philip the evangelist, God has already sent him to Samaria. He's already preached the gospel in Samaria, basically built the church there. The apostles came down there preaching. Now God sent him on the road to the south toward Gaza. He's gone down. He's met the Ethiopian there. He's told him about Jesus Christ, baptized him. From there, he's gone to Joppa. He's preached his way up the coast to Caesarea. And now Philip the evangelist lives in Caesarea. So if this was about Cornelius, all God had to do was tell Philip, hey, Walk down the road a little ways. He's already in the city. All you've got to do is go down there and, and help Cornelius get hooked up with the Holy Spirit, tell him about the New Testament. But he didn't. He, he reached back and he called out Peter. That's why I believe this whole thing is about Peter. Now, you've got to think, if someone were to come in and, and they came in here on this podium and they began to try to teach us a new doctrine, would we hear it? absolutely not would would we let them preach a new doctrine or a false doctrine or anything different no because we've been taught this book our entire life this is the truth of the word of god that has been given to us we have the scriptures to warn us against false teaching and we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is the holy word of god inspired by god written by the holy spirit as he moved upon the hearts of men but so was the Old Testament. The Old Testament is just as much the Word of God as the New Testament, and Peter has the Old Testament. Now, what's different is in the Old Testament, just like in the New Testament, we have the promise of the return of Christ. We have the promise that he's gonna step out on a cloud, call home the children and we're going to leave here with him we have the promise of revelation of all of eternity and all the things of the future event the seven-year tribulation the thousand-year millennial reign and then all of eternity we spend with god there is a promise even beyond the new testament in the old testament it was just as true but there was a promise beyond the law the promise beyond the law was the messiah is going to come so they've lived their entire lives for generations By the law, Peter has the law. He is fully ingrained in Jewish tradition, not because it's the traditions of men, but it is the oracles of God. The things that Peter knows, the separation from Jew and Gentile, that's not from Peter, that's from God. That's not from men, that's from God. The clean animals and the unclean animals, the things that Peter can't eat as a Jew and can't eat as a Jew, that's from God. The commands concerning sacrifices and feasts and feast of weeks and all the things that go. Those things are from God, so Peter's belief is enforced by an entire life of these rabbinical teachings and the things that are written in the law of Moses, and he spent an entire life living the things that God gave him. God knows all that. God knows how ingrained it is, so he knows that he's got some work to do in Peter. If you ever want to know how much you mean to God, just read this story. Because God takes time to personally help Peter. Christ walked with him three and a half years on the earth, but yet God still is trying to help Peter very patiently. Anybody know God is patient with us? We see God working with Peter very patiently. God God knows where Peter is in every way. He knows where he's at physically. He knows what house he's at. He he knows he's up on the roof praying. We know all that because we read it there in the story. The same thing is true with you and I. God knows where we are. He knows where we are physically. He knows where we are mentally. He knows where we are spiritually. He knows the things that we need to learn. He knows the things that we need to improve on. And, And God is always trying to help us. God knows where we are but he also knows where we need to be. And he's the one that knows how to get us from where we are. That's what he's doing with Peter here. He's getting Peter from where Peter is to where Peter needed to be. In our text there, verse number one, certain man says Rare centurion of the band, an Italian band, devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. So We looked at the maps for the last couple of weeks, and we've already looked at Caesarea being a coastal city. It's a key part of the Roman Empire, so it's made up mostly of Gentiles. The majority of that town would have been Gentiles. We look here in the text. It tells us four things about this Gentile military official. It says, number one, that he's a devout man. He fears God. So we know he's a godly man. It says that, that he leads his house in a way that his household fears God. He's a, he's a good father, a good husband, a good head of the house. He, he's, not, he's not just serving God. He has his family serving God. He's leading his family in the right direction. It says that he's a generous man. He's one who sees the needs of people. He gives much alms to people so he helps the poor and he helps those that are in need. But the Bible says that he's a man of prayer. Now, here's what we know at this point, though. This is not a man who knows Christ. This is a man who knows God. This is a man who knows and believes in the God of the Jew. This is a man who knows, believes, and prays to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He doesn't know the story of Christ. He doesn't have the filling of the Holy Spirit yet. That's what this whole story is about sending Peter there. So, so. God sends Peter, for Cornelius's part, is to bring Cornelius up to speed of the New Testament, the new covenant, the blood of Jesus, the filling of the Holy Spirit. He's praying to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as his own God. So Peter is sent there now to bring him up to us all about the blood of Jesus Christ in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He saw in a vision, evidently, about the ninth hour of the day, verse number 3, an angel of God come and send him, Cornelius, and when he Looked on him, he, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Something else, it was seen in the story. And y'all know if, if I'm reading, I'm looking for what does it have to do with me. I'm, I'm just telling you how I read the Word of God. I'm, I'm telling you how I study the Word of God. If I'm reading a story, I'm trying to see how does the story apply to me. How does the story apply to us? If I'm reading any story, any text, and I'm looking at the Word of God, the book was written to me, for me, about me, to you, for you, about you. The book is to get us from where we were to where we're supposed to be, right? So I'm just telling you, if I'm reading, I'm looking for what it is about me. So, so here, here's something else I see in it. I see that, that God is enforcing something that we already know, but God uses men for the affairs of men god uses men to help other men to move other men to 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 help pull other men along god sent an angel to talk to cornelius why couldn't god have just told the angel to tell cornelius about jesus and send the holy spirit because that's not how god works god uses men in the affairs of men the same thing is true with you and I. He's used men. He's used people to talk to us. He uses us to talk to people. It says it's the ninth hour of the day. That would have been the same time that Jesus died on the cross. I didn't study to see if there's any relevance there. I, I probably not. But, but, so what we're looking at is 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 3 o'clock in the afternoon, God sends this angel to talk to him, and the angel calls him by name. That must have been pretty awesome. You got a Gentile talking to the God of the Jews, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and one of that God's angels calls you by name. That's pretty impressive. Anybody think that's pretty impressive? You know what's more impressive? God knows your name. God knows my name. God knows, cares about what my name is. God, the creator of all the universe, the creator of all the galaxies, the creator of all the stars, of the billions of stars and galaxies, telleth the number of the stars, calleth them all by name, the God that knows the past, present, and future of every speck of dust that has ever been on the planet, the same God that tracks the movements of the universe tracks the movements of men. Is that not crazy that God cares? that much about us. God, God can orchestrate things. It's important to see it because this works the same way in our life. God orchestrated Philip to go down the road to the south toward Gaza. God knew where Philip was physically, and he knew where the Ethiopian was spiritually. So he had their paths crossed at the exact same time as the Ethiopian read from the prophet Isaiah that Philip could hear and expound on the scriptures that the Ethiopian might be saved. God orchestrated Ananias at Damascus to go over to the house on the street called Straight to a man named Saul. God knew where Ananias was physically. He knew where Saul was physically. He knew where Ananias was spiritually. He knew where he needed to get Saul to spiritually so God sent Ananias over to the house on straight street to talk to Saul to get him to where he was I'm just saying God uses people right here he orchestrates getting Peter from Joppa uh, up to Caesarea to get Cornelius saved to where he needs to be God does the same thing in our lives God orchestrates other people in your path in your day in your life to do things for you god orchestrates people in your path in your day in your life for you to do things for them nothing is a cosmic accident we've never accidentally bumped into anybody we've never accidentally come across anything as a child of god serving god god put people in our path for a reason sometimes it's for us sometimes it's for them sometimes it's for both but we see it all throughout this little brief in chapter 9 and 10 of how God is orchestrating the paths of men for the paths of men and using men. Think God, God has entrusted this into the hands of men. God's Word, settled in heaven forever, will never fail, never fault, never change, never die. God has entrusted this into men. Is that awesome? Man, if you ever need to know how much God loves you. oh, well, where was I at? Oh, about, about God entrusting men. God sent the angel first to tell Cornelius, send the three men or send the men down to Joppa, and then he, talk, has, he comes and he talks to Peter. The angel, the angel is not equipped to tell the story. How could an angel that's never been lost and on their way to hell and has never experienced the grace of a sovereign, loving God to wash away all their sins so that all things pass away and all things become new, so that you change and become a new creature. How can an angel who has never experienced the fullness of the grace of God that way fully expound on the grace of God? How could he fully understand what he's never experienced? One of the things when you talk to lost people, then people are talking about, I don't understand, I don't get it. And I tell them, you're not going to until you have experienced it you'll never understand it until i experienced the change there's no way i can tell you i can tell you what happened i can tell you how i changed i can tell you the difference in me i can explain it all but until you have experienced the salvation until you have experienced the indwelling of the holy spirit and the change that takes place inside there's no way you can understand what i'm talking about how could an angel Talk about the fullness of the grace of God. He's never had to experience such. So, so he sends Peter there to talk to him. He calls Cornelius by name. He says, Your prayers have come up before God. Here's what I want you to do. You send the men down to Joppa. You tell them to go get Simon Peter and, and and you tell them to bring them back up. The angel which spoke to Cornelius departed. And he called two of his household servants. He sent them down, he says, you, you go down to Joppa and get them. But I, I want to look at that verse number eight. It says that we, when he, he called the three men together, two servants and one soldier. But he says in verse number eight that when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. That word declared is an important word right there. Because the, the meaning of the word means to make known by expounding. I want you to understand the conversation that took place. He didn't call this. and say, hey, guys, I had a dream. I need you to run down to Joppa and look for a man named Simon Peter. He's at Simon the Tanner's house and bring him back up here. No, he had to expound. He talked about how the angel came in, and he talked about it in detail because you got to understand he knows he's a Gentile. He knows he is a soldier, he is an official over 100 men of a 600 garrison. He, he understands as a Gentile that the Jews don't like him. They've been taught their whole lives. There's separation. He understands that Peter is no exception. God also understands it, and he's right. That's why God has this little powwow down here we're going to look at with Peter, because Peter's not going to go for no Gentile, because you still have the separation. So God, God understands and tells him, He spends some time to tell these men in detail, hey, here's what happened, and he tells them the whole story so just in case when they get there, they have to persuade this guy Peter to come, but guess what? Oh, somebody's going to need to hear this because the same thing's true in your life. The Holy Spirit did it before they could get there. They're on their way to Joppa. They're trying to make a 30-mile trip down south to get to Joppa, and the Holy Spirit goes on, and he takes care of everything. Same thing in our lives. When God gives you something to do, and you know God gave you something to do, and you head that way, be prepared to do everything you got to do, but you got to know the Holy Spirit of God's going to do work ahead of you. you got to know he's going to do work through you. you got to know he's preparing the way for what he sent you to do before you ever get there. You see it in this story. The Holy Spirit says, hey, send them in. As soon as he sent them in, the Holy Spirit comes out here, and he starts preparing Peter for what's about to happen. Verse number 9, on the morrows, they went their journey. They drew nigh. They're looking for Peter. It says that, verse number 10 says that he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. So the Holy Spirit now moves 30 miles down to, from Caesarea down to, to the coastal city of Joppa. This is where Peter is. The Bible makes some things very specific right here, and God never does anything by accident. If God puts this stuff in there, there's something in it for me. There's something in it for us, something in it to learn. He says it's the sixth hour. That would have been 12 noon. The Bible thinks that it's important that we should know it's lunchtime. Why? Because how many of you eat lunch? How many of you know what it's like when you get a little late for lunch? 12 noon. Peter's hungry. God uses Peter's circumstances to accomplish his will. I can't read any of this and not see God not working in our lives. God uses every circumstance in our life to accomplish his will. If you're hungry, God's got something planned. You're thirsty, God's got something planned. You need gas in the car, God's got something planned. Everything that's going on in our life, whatever it is, God can use that circumstance to do something in our life. There's no situation that God can't use and won't use. So Peter's hungry. God says, good, let's talk about groceries. Kind of like mentioning Longhorns at 11.45 on a Sunday afternoon, right, and everybody's stomach starts growling. As soon as you hit the invitation, half the church is gone, like I'm beating somebody out and I'm getting mine. Peter's hungry. His, his stomach's growling. Man, it's done, it's done setting in, and, and he's thinking about groceries. So, so God shows him some groceries. That, that's what the animals are. on. They're groceries. But according to Peter... They're not all good groceries. Some of us are unedible. It says that he saw heaven open, a certain vessel descended unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to earth, wherein were all manner of four footed beasts of the earth. I don't have time to go to the Old Testament law, but about the cloven hoof and chew the cud and all the things that are against the law for the Jew. But they're on here too. The ones they can't eat and the ones they can't eat, they're all on here. And it says that all the beasts of the earth, with wild beasts and creeping things and, and fowls are there, so here they are, clean and unclean, edible and unedible, touchable, untouchable to the Jew. They're, they're all here mixed together as one. But then the vision is accompanied by this instruction from heaven. There came a voice, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter, here he is with all of his traditions and all of his teachings and with everything that he spent his entire life learning, he responds to the voice, to the vision. He says, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. We have to understand the battle that's going on inside of Peter right here. The the command is clear, but it's against the law. The command, Peter, rise, kill, and eat is very clear it is against the law peter's still holding on to some of these laws so peter does what peter always does he opens his mouth but he says not so lord i read a story john phillips wrote a story he said it was a man that felt like the lord was calling him into the mission field so he's faced with the decision do i obey what i believe the lord's calling me to do Or do I continue living my very comfortable life? The man's a business owner. He's doing quite well. Got some employees, things going on. He goes to somebody, he taught somebody that had been a missionary for many years. He explained to the missionary how he felt, clearly thought he felt the call of God and was dealing with it and how hard it is to make up a decision to give up his very comfortable lifestyle and, and to go do these things. The missionary opened his Bible up to this passage and he shows the man what Peter says. Not so, Lord. And he tells him, he says, you can't say that. It's either not so or it's Lord. But it can't be not so and Lord in the same sentence. They're a contradiction in terms. So he gave the man his Bible. He said, take it, look at this passage. He handed him a pencil. He said, I want you to sit here and read this passage. I want you to pray for a while. And then I want you to cross out one of those two. You either cross out not so or you cross out Lord, but you can't have both. If it's the Lord, it's so. If it's not so, it's not the Lord. That's what Peter learns here in this passage. Not so and Lord doesn't go in the same sentence. The voice speaks to him again. He says the second time, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. Three times. God shows Peter the same thing with the same results. It says it was done thrice if us were seated up again into heaven. After the third time, the men from Caesarea arrive at Joppa while Peter doubted himself in verse 17 with a vision that he should mean. Behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. This, This is an incredible passage for you and I. This is an incredible time in the gospel for you and I I mean this is a this is a key highlight this is this is as beneficial as Christ on the cross this is as beneficial as the empty tomb this is a very extremely beneficial passage for you and I because this is where God makes it extremely clear to Peter and everybody that reads this book that the blood of Calvary reaches way past Jerusalem The blood of Jesus Christ was not shed just for the Jew. It was shed for everybody in that sheet. God shows all kinds of animals, the clean and the unclean, and he puts them all together in one. It is a picture of the New Testament church. Here they are, clean and unclean, everything that is brought together by the blood of Jesus Christ. God calls it clean, clean. God puts it in his church, and they are one, united together. And if God called it clean, doesn't matter what anybody else calls it. Man, what, what, what a great story for you and I being Gentiles to, to see what God has clearly done. Without passages like this, we don't understand that there's no longer a separation like there was in the Old Testament. Without passages like this to explain to us that we are redeemed of the Lamb of God, that the blood of Jesus is for the Gentile and the Jew alike. That's why we're going to see when we get to chapter 34, remember Peter told Cornelius, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. I use that verse quite a bit. That's why we'll see it further on. That's what Peter's learning here. God is no respecter of persons. If God used somebody, God will use you. If God loves somebody, God loves you. If God saves somebody, God will save you. God is no respecter of persons. He goes on here in verse 18. calling and asked for the Simon was sure, named Peter's lodge. Peter thought on the vision, said, Behold, three men seek thee, rise, go down, go with them. But he says, Go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them something right here that's a little bit different than what we get most of the time. And that is the absolute clarity of these instructions. How many of you you know in your heart God in your life at some time or another has given you something to do. How many of you would love for God to be that clear when he does it? Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of you love to say, hey, go downstairs. There's going to be three men there. Just go with them. I've sent them to get you. I'm sending you to do something. Just go do that, and trust me, I got it. Don't worry about nothing. How many would love for it to be that clear? I'm wanting to know, who are these cats at the door? I mean, is that God? Is that you talking to me? Why do I go? With I know the Gentiles. I don't go with them. So, so the one thing that I see that, that I would love to see that I, I will say there's been things in my life that I, I truly believe, and I believe you're all the same way. There have been things in my life that truly had that kind of clarity. God told me some things on a mountain in Costa Rica one time that I might as well have been sitting here talking to one of you. He made some things very clear. When God told me what my future would be, which is the pastor of this church, God might as well have been sitting there up under that trailer that day talking to me. God has told me some things. I know you're probably all the same that were that clear, but most of the time we wrestle with them, amen? Most of the time we struggle. It's like God gives us little pieces, and I'm, I'm going to start using this to my prayer when I pray to God. Just be that clear. Just tell me like you told Peter. If you want me to do it, just, just tell me. Just make it Make it, no, don't make me work through the pieces right here. But God's got his own time, right? So here we have, have these, these different animals, and, and God says, hey, Peter, there, there's three men at the door. I want you to go down there. I, I want you to go with them. Psalms 37, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. God is no respecter of persons. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. What God does there for Peter, God will do the same thing for you and I. he gives give us clear direction when we seek it. So when, when, we, when we know God's given us something to do, um, I'm, I'm out of time, so I'll just, I'll just use this. I talked about it a little bit a couple of weeks ago, but I'll mention it again because it fits right here. When we know God's given us something to do, pursue that. Seek that. Listen, listen for God. Listen for what he's telling you. Listen listen for anything he gives you. But if you don't know what it is that he's telling you to do for sure, don't do nothing. To get ahead of God is a dangerous place. It's as bad as getting behind God. The center of God's perfect will is the center of God's perfect will. It's not left or right, forward or backward. It's the center. So if you know God's giving you something to do, but you don't fully understand yet what it is, don't move. But I told you a couple of weeks ago, if you're at a puzzling spot, you don't know what it is that God wants you to do, you're sure God wants you to do something. and now you, you Anybody feel like now you're out in limbo land, you're not sure what to do? You think God wants you to do something, and, and now you're not sure what to do? And I told you, this is either Pastor Freeman or Pastor Ike Riker, but one of them told me, go back to the last thing that you know God told you to do, and do that well. You go do that until you know God has told you, what the next step is stay where you know God wants you until God says hey there's three men at the door I want you to go with those three men don't ask me any questions I'll explain it when you get there just go downstairs amen if God's no respecter of persons if he will be that clear with Peter he'll be that clear with us God thank you so much for this story God thank you Lord, that there's so much that, it, Lord, we just have to stop for a matter of time because we run out of time, but there's so much more in your story. so.